Welcome to Faith Westwood's worship service. My name is Holly Timberlake. I'm the director of adult and family discipleship. We are so happy that you have joined us for worship. We are a relational church. And what that means is we really care for one another. And one way we do that is we get involved in faith groups and committees to serve with one another. If you are interested in getting involved here at Faith Westwood, please reach out to me. I would love to help assist. During this worship service, we will have music and a lovely children's time with Miss Leah. And um, Pastor Steve will share a message that is when weak, then strong. Now take this moment to prepare yourself for worship. Good morning, boys and girls. Miss Leah here. I'm so glad you could join us today. Remember, no matter where you are today, you are exactly where God wants you to be. Have you ever tried to fold up a big blanket like this all by yourself? Well, it's kind of hard and, and kind of awkward and, and I think I need some help. And I know if you guys were here that you'd jump up and help me and we get it folded in no time, right? Well, here by myself, it's a bit of a challenge. In 2 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul was facing a difficult personal challenge, and he was feeling very weak. He kept begging the Lord to take it away from him. And every time, Jesus would tell him, my grace is all you need. My power is strong in weakness. So the Apostle Paul learned that it was okay to ask Jesus for help. That's what he wants us to do, because we can't do all of this on our own. That's when his power works the best and he can make us strong even when we are weak. We can do about anything when we ask Jesus to work with us and give us his power to make us strong. So this week, I want you to talk to your family about times when you feel weak and how you can ask for help in those times. And then pray about it and ask Jesus to give you his power and to work with you. After uh, children's time, don't forget to check out the links to do Sunday School at Home today. You can find those on the Faith at Home page at faithwestwood.com or you, in the email that I sent out this morning too. So until next time, may the Lord bless you and always smile upon you. And all God's kids said, Amen. I think I'm going to go find some help folding this blanket. Until then, I'll see you next week. Bye. Go. Our first reading is 2 Corinthians 1121 b through 30. What anyone else dares to boast about, I am speaking as a fool. I also dare to boast about. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they Abraham's descendants? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I am out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. I have worked much harder. Been in prison more frequently. Been flogged more severely. And been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the forty lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned three times. I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, 
in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false brothers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked besides everything else. I face daily the pressure of my own concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I do not feel weak? Who is led into sin and I do not inwardly burn? If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. Our second reading today is 2 Corinthians 12, 1-10. I must go on boasting, although there is nothing to be gained. I will go on to the visions and revelations from the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise. He heard inexpressible things that man is not permitted to tell. I will boast about a man like this, but not boast about myself, except for my weaknesses. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool, because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain, so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say. To keep me from becoming conceited, because of these surpassingly great revelations, there was given to me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Three times I pled with the Lord to take it away, but he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. God. Morning, everybody. You know, there's something mysterious and wonderful about what happens when people gather together to worship in person. And that has become so clear to me this year especially. And so it was with great sorrow that I recommended to our church council that we discontinue in-person worship for a time. Hopefully you received my email about that, explaining all the reasons. And I would suspect that other churches will probably notice this, and other organizations as well, and follow our lead. Hopefully it may even help you uh, think about your personal decisions as you go forward. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, your people have faced plagues and pestilence many times throughout the centuries. And so again, sustain your people through this trial as you have in the past. And we pray for this Saturday's Thanksgiving bag giveaway, that it'll be an opportunity to show your love and shine your light in our community. And now, Holy Spirit, blow your holy wind into our hearts and minds that we may hear your word and be transformed, and all God's people said, Amen. Life is full of paradoxes. Here's one. The less we know, the smarter we think we are. Do you agree with that? Sometimes? 
the less we know, the smarter we think we are. I was 24 when I graduated from seminary and took my first pastoral appointment. You know, I look back on that now and I realize how green I was, how much growing up I had yet to do. But I didn't know that at the time. The less we know, the smarter we think we are. Today we're going to look at another paradox. This one is about weakness and strength. And it's the main idea behind our fall series entitled, Be Weak, Be Strong, Belong. In the Apostle Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, he's already brought up this connection between weak and strong. Earlier he said that apostles are like ordinary clay jars carrying uh, the treasure of the gospel. They're plain earthenware vessels bearing a priceless message. They're weak. And the all-surpassing power of their message comes from God. Now, why is Paul writing this letter? Well, because some new so-called apostles have moved into Corinth attempting to steal his flock. And they're bad-mouthing Paul. They've even brought letters of recommendation, probably from leaders in Jerusalem. And they're not afraid to brag, brag about their impressive experiences and exploits. The worrisome part of all this is that they bring a message that is very different than Paul's. That's why in chapter 11, verse 4, he points his finger at the sisters and brothers in Corinth and, and says, For if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus we preached, or if you receive a different spirit from the spirit you received or a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it easily enough. Paul knows that the eternal future of these people hangs in the balance. This church could end up a cult. So what does he do? Well, he could go toe-to-toe -to -toe bragging uh, with them, but if he does that, he's, he's, it's like he's playing their game. It would be like when Jesus' disciples argued over which one of them was the greatest. I mean, that was missing the whole point. How can Paul get the Corinthian believers to not be taken in by these false apostles? So he pretends to brag, all the while saying how foolish it is. Quite clever. He says, Whatever anyone else dares to boast about, I'm speaking as a fool, I also dare to boast about. He starts with a few Q&As. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they Abraham's descendants? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I'm out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. Then he brings up a few bragging points, showing how he has suffered much more than his competitors to bring people the gospel. <clears throat> he says, I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Ha! Take that! Then he proceeds with a list of specific sufferings, as if to say, ask your new fancy apostles if they've been through anything like this. I won't put it on the screen, just listen. He says, five times from the Jews uh, I received the, the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. And I have been constantly on the move. 
I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. And then to top it off, he adds one more hardship. The burden that weighs most heavily on his heart, greater than any shipwreck or lashing, he says, besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Paul's greatest suffering is his concern for the churches under his care. You know, I can identify with that. All this past week I carried a heaviness within me about the decision of whether to discontinue in-person worship. That heaviness came out of my concern for you. The pressure of that dilemma was born out of my love for you. I'm sure the fancy false apostles haven't suffered like Paul has. I mean, just look at them. Their clothes are new and shiny. They're good-looking. They speak with confidence. They're the picture of worldly success. Paul doesn't look anything like them. And his ministry doesn't look like theirs either. His ministry looks like Jesus. Paul carries the cross of Christ, so to speak, every day. He says, if I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. One time in another church, I got a call that the new bishop in our conference wanted to meet me and see our church building. So, on the agreed morning, the bishop showed up and um, I gave the mini tour while we chatted. And, you know, I was trying to relax, just be myself, trying to establish some rapport. About halfway through the conversation, it suddenly hit me that I was not in a conversation. This was an interview. The bishop was sizing me up. I realized that I had better come across more confident and knowledgeable and decisive. If there was a time to show weakness, this was not it. And I look back and I realize I was dis disappointed by that. I was disappointed that I was put in the position by my superior of not being free to reveal both my gifts and my weakness. Then. Paul returns to his facetious bragging, chapter 12, verse 1. That's where our scripture reading was today, began. I must go on boasting. Although there is nothing to be gained, I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. Paul doesn't really want to play this card, so he describes it in the third person. That's something that uh, we preachers do on, a, on occasion. I might tell a story about an experience and then, and then not reveal until the end that I was the one in the story. And that's what Paul does here. Verse 2. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. Side note. This is the only place in the Bible where it talks about the third heaven. Um... However, the Bible commonly talks about heaven in the plural. Uh, even in the Lord's Prayer, a literal reading would be our, fa our Father in the heavens. The, ex the explanation I like best is that the first heaven is the sky above where the birds fly, and the second heaven is where the sun, moon, and stars are placed, 
And the third heaven is what we would call heaven, the holy, heavenly temple where God and the angels reside in all their glory. Paul goes on, I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, that this man was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. The fancy false apostles must have also bragged about their dramatic spiritual encounters, their visions and revelations, and Paul finds himself in the awkward position of having to one-up them. Verse 5, I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself, except about what? About my weaknesses. Paul, Paul would have been terrible at campaigning for election, wouldn't he? He only wants to boast about the things that make him look weak. How many of you want a pastor that brags about how many times he or she's been to jail, or been beaten, or been homeless? But that's the kind of thing Paul does. It's like he's presenting a resume full of his suffering and weakness. How crazy is that? But you know, I think about it, that's, that's our story as Jesus' people, isn't it? Every Sunday, we sing about our weakness and God's strength. Just like John Newton, I once was lost, but now am found, was blind, but now I see. It's all about amazing grace. If I were to write my spiritual resume, what would I include? My resume uh, could include anxiety. You know, I've had to deal with anxiety all my life. It runs in my family, probably genetic. Uh, sometimes you know it's not too bad. Other times it seems to build up out of nowhere and I can't shake it. Sometimes anxiety keeps me from sleeping. Maybe some of you have the same uh, problem. But you know, I found that there's been a silver lining to this anxiety. It has led me to depend on God more and more. The Bible says, cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. I've had to do a lot of, of casting, and I've learned in the process God's care for me. And you know, when I can't sleep in the night, I just turn it into extended time of prayer. So God redeems my weakness, turns it into strength. What else could I put on my spiritual resume? Well, I have a tremendous lack of control when it comes to food, especially sweets. I never met a cookie I didn't like. One can easily turn into seven if nobody's looking. I find it easy to eat that one extra slice of pizza that makes me feel bloated for the next three hours. And God has used this to keep me humble. We all struggle with something, right? We all lack self-control about some things, and maybe that humility makes me a better pastor for people who face their own struggles. Well, what else could I put on a resume? Uh, not good at preaching without notes, never an athlete, so no good sports stories, affinity for corny humor. You want a pastor like that? Getting back to Paul in verses 6 and 7, he lets it out that he's the one who uh, had this vision of heaven. He says, even if I should choose to boast, I would, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain, 
so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say or because of these surpassingly great revelations. He doesn't want to impress people with his biggest spiritual experience. He'd rather talk about his biggest personal weakness. He refers to it as his thorn in the flesh. Therefore, in order to keep me from being conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. What was this thorn in his flesh? Bible scholars have come up with all kinds of possibilities. Maybe these fancy false apostles are his thorn in the flesh, like a burr under his saddle. But more scholars figure that it was something physical. And if you look at all the clues in what Paul wrote in his other letters, the leading candidate would be some kind of eye problem. Um, I don't think we can say that God is the one who gave Paul his thorn in the flesh. Uh, he calls it a messenger of Satan. But he says that good comes from it, that Satan does not intend. And it keeps him from be being conceited. So where Satan intends to harm and weaken, weaken him, God turns it around for good. What do you do when you have a thorny problem? Well, you probably pray about it. You ask God to take it away. And that's what Paul did. Verse 8, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. And notice this isn't just a casual request. Oh, by the way, Lord, if it's not too much trouble. No, this is, this is serious business. He pleaded with the Lord three times. Take it away. I think it's good to pray that way. Be direct. Be bold. Be specific. And then wait for God's answer. I can imagine the Lord whispering in Paul's heart. Verse 9. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Paul, your weakness may be my secret weapon, God says, the conduit for my power. The humility it brings will keep you ready to receive my grace, and my grace will be sufficient. It will be enough. So Paul was not healed of the thorn in his flesh. But God used it for good. And Paul realized it's the best thing that could have happened. Verse, the rest of verse 9 says, Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. Your weaknesses are where you will see God most at work in your life. Your weaknesses are God's opportunity to work in you and through you. Abraham Lincoln was often in touch with his weakness. He said, I have been driven many times upon my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I had nowhere else to go. My own wisdom and that of all about me seemed insufficient for the day. Paul has even learned to rejoice in his weakness and his suffering. Verse 10, that is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in my weakness, in insults, in hardship, in persecutions, in difficulties. And would you say the rest with me? For when I am weak, then I am strong. 
This pandemic has weakened us. It's been a hardship. We've lost a lot. But every weakness is an opportunity to experience the strength of God. While we cannot meet for in-person worship, this may be your opportunity to develop, to develop good habits of Scripture reading and prayer each day that, that may stay with you the rest of your life. This is your opportunity to be a blessing to others going through their hardships. As I look back on, on the end of verse 10, I realize this may be the most beautiful paradox in the life of a Christ follower. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I want to lead us now into a time of guided prayer. Feel free to close your eyes or look out the window or gaze at the image on the screen. Let's pray. Lord God, you know my sufferings, the hardship I face, the pain I endure, the insults and persecutions I have suffered. And now I invite you in silence to name these before God. Lord, you know my weaknesses, my lack of self-control, my physical disabilities, my emotional difficulties, my relational problems. And now I invite you in silence to name these before God. Lord, we ask to be set free from our sufferings and weaknesses, to be healed. But if we have already prayed and prayed and prayed and no healing miracle has come, we still rejoice because your grace is sufficient. You give us all we need. And now I invite you to ask God to let his power flow through your weakness. And all God's people said, Amen. Before I go, I want to toss out a question for those of you worshiping on Facebook uh, that you can comment on. Uh, I just want to get a little discussion rolling if we can. Uh, I shared how easily uh, one cookie can turn into seven, which is why we don't usually keep cookies in our house. So here it is. What food is your biggest weakness? So add your answer in the comments, reply to each other, have a little fun with it. See you next Sunday. Bye.
we can find such great strength in God. Please don't forget to stop by faithwestwood.com forward slash service, fill out a connection card, give us your prayer request. You can also give to the mission of Faith Westwood of making um, disciples of Jesus Christ. And also the mission offering for this week is Thanksgiving bags. We are about a third of the way there to our goal of um, having enough funds and bags to fill up 375 bags. So whatever you give will help us get to that goal. And we also would like to let you know about an upcoming Advent series on the 29th of November, Advent Begins. And we have a devotional guide called Picking Up the Pieces that you can pick up in the foyer or in the West Vestibule throughout the week. In seven days, we'll gather together and we invite you to join us again.